Welcome to Alive. We are so glad that each and every one of you guys are joining us this morning. Uh, as Erica mentioned earlier, we are starting and kicking off a brand new series of talks this next five weeks called The Flawed Heroes of Faith. All right. So for the next five weeks from today, all the way leading up to our Christmas Express experience and the holiday season, we are going to be looking at five different characters found in the Bible, and looking at their life of faith and what we can learn from them. And uh, how many of you guys know this? Just because somebody shows up in the Bible doesn't mean they're perfect. Can I get an amen on that? That should like be a breath of fresh air for us, right? Because if, if the Bible is full of a bunch of holier-than-thous, like no one can touch them, they live above everybody else, then we were all, we'd all be doomed, Right? But because the Bible's full of men and women who are flawed in their faith, that they have their own issues, they have their own sin problems, they have their own struggles, they don't hit the mark every single time, the Bible is a book of hope for us because we can glean and learn and follow the example of faith. Maybe not the behavior, but we can follow the example of faith that is set before us and we can grow in our relationship with God. I love studies like this over the next weeks because I just believe it puts things more on a level playing field. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that for everyone, everyone say everyone, everyone has sinned and we all, everybody say all, we all fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means we all aren't perfect. We all miss God's standard and his mark. That's why we need Jesus. Amen. If we, didn't, if we all hit it, we didn't need a saver. We could do it on ourselves. We could save ourselves. We could have a relationship with God ourselves. But because we are fallen and we have sinful nature, we need a Savior. Amen? It points us to the one that is our strength today. And so we're all flawed. We need Jesus. And man, we can't fix this own condition on our own. And so in this series, we're going to learn from different people and examples of their faith. Like I mentioned, both good examples and bad examples, all right? Sometimes you learn what, it not is, what it's not, right, by people's example in the Bible, as well as some principles that we can apply to our life. And so today, the character that God has placed on my heart for us to dive into his life is the character of Samson. Everybody say Samson. We're going to talk about Samson, and we're going to look at this flawed hero of faith named Samson and what we can learn from his example. If you would join me for just one more word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word this morning. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and man, we just thank you for your word. We look to your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It illuminates the way we should go. And Father, as we dive into the life, the legacy, the faith, the story of Samson, we know chalked in those stories and in those verses are nuggets of truth for you and I, for all of us today. Father God, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate those, highlight those to us, pull those out and help those come to life in our own lives, Father God. We thank you that we're transformed and we're changed into the greater image of who you are and who you've called us to be today, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said. Amen. So, so we're talking about Samson today. I don't know, what, what have you heard about Samson, all right? Well, whether you grew up in church, didn't grow up in church, you're on drugs this morning, someone drug you to church, right? Uh, no matter where you fall in the lineup, you probably have heard a little bit of something about Samson, like, like this really strong guy in the Bible with really long hair. Maybe, maybe, okay, maybe not. 
If you're younger, if you're younger kids, I, I, mean, I love kids. Like uh, Eli's like, what are you talking about today? I'm like, Samson. He's like, the really strong guy in the Bible? I was like, yeah. Like, I think for kids, we put Samson on his pedestal like he's some um, Marvel superhero, right? And that like, God give, turns him into like Incredible Hulk at different times to like whoop the Philistines' butt, right? And we're like, this is awesome, right? Or, or maybe we've heard that he, he had a little girl trouble. And he had a girlfriend named Delilah, and she got him in a bunch of trouble, right? I don't know what you've heard, and no matter what you've heard about Samson, the important thing I want to note up front is that Samson is named by name in the Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Faith lineup. Some of you are like, really? I know Samson's story, and it's not good. Yeah, if you're not familiar, Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us what faith is. In Hebrews 11, 6, it talks about how without faith it's impossible to please God, how important faith is. And then it goes on and starts naming some heroes of faith. All flawed people, mind you, not perfect people. And it goes name by name, and it goes through people like uh, Abraham and Noah and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And it kind of gets to the end, and he's and, and probably just running out of time and getting long-winded, and he doesn't go into detail, but he has a list there's a list of others that are named in the Hall of Faith, and I want to read this for you in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34. It'll be on the screen for you as well. He goes on, he says, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jepheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets, verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, we'll talk about that in a second, quenched the fiery uh, fury of f- flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Samson is literally listed by name in Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. Now, some of the byproducts of Samson's life and faith, we even just read about it. Uh, the shutting of mouth of lions and the weakness being turned to strength and, and it becoming powerful or strong in battle. And if, here's the good news. If God chose for Samson to make the list, then there's significance in his story. And also the good news is if God chose Samson to make the list, then there's significance in our own lives too that God can do something through us despite of us. Amen? So who is Samson? What did he do? For the next few minutes, I want to just kind of take a minute to summarize his story. Uh, We're not going to read all of his story. We don't have time to do that this uh, this morning, but I want to give you kind of the context of where he's showing up in Scripture, what's going on, what are some of the key events in his story, and then we're going to lean in and ask the Holy Spirit to really speak to us and minister on what what is our takeaway today, all right? And so the story of Samson is found in the Old Testament book of Judges, all right? Uh, His story specifically, if you want to go back maybe this week and read all the details, Judges chapter 13 through Judges chapter 16 is kind of the whole deal we get on Samson. Judges is in the Old Testament. It's the book right after Joshua, and it's in a in stark contrast to Joshua, because in Joshua, we see obedient people follow God's plan and route and take the land that God has called them. In Judges, it's like bad news bears, all right? Like, like God's people were disobedient, they were uh, adulterous, they were idolous, right? They, they were defeated time and time again because Scripture says they did what was right in their own eyes. Sounds like culture today. Come on, somebody, right? Whatever feels good, do it. Whatever's politically correct, say it, right? They, they did what was right in their own eyes, and there was this cycle of 
rebellion, and then God would raise up a judge. Now, when we hear the word judge, we think he's got a coat and a gavel and he's in a courtroom. That's not what we're talking about here. A judge was more like a warrior tribal leader, a warrior, a strong person for battle to lead God's people out of the oppression of their enemies. Seven different times they have a judge raise up. He, he or she sets them free from captivity, mainly the Philistines in this portion of history that we find out. And then immediately after that, they turn away from God and they go back through the sin cycle and it happens over and over again. So in the midst of all of this that's happening, God raises up a judge named Samson. And in Judges chapter 13, the the people of Israel find themselves under the rule of the Philistines, their enemies. And Samson's called, and his mission would be hey, you're going to set my people free and it's going to require great physical strength, all right? So a little bit more specifics about Samson. So uh, in order to do this, God, God's smart enough. He knows that, man, they got to win some battles. And so the Lord made a covenant with Samson that as long as he obeyed the Lord, he would be physically strong. And, and so Samson's long hair, we always laugh about this, his long hair was actually a sign of the covenant that God made with him, right? An angel of the Lord came to Samson's mom before he was even born in Judges 13.5 and said, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for he sh- the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall, begin, he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So, Samson's born, he grows up, he becomes blessed by the Lord, starts to have favor with the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord, as the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord starts to come upon him in these powerful displays of battle. We see him kill a lion with his bare hands. Check this out, Judges 14, 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one who have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father and his mother what he had done. That's kind of crazy. He didn't have a weapon. He just had, the lion came out of him and attacked him. He said, oh, shoot, and just tore the lion right out. Wow, that's pretty graphic, right? Then he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Check this out. Judges 15, verses 14 through 15. When he came to Lehi, the, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came moderately upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men. Some say, oh shoot, guy's Jack Diesel, right? Like, don't tick him off. Then in Judges chapter 16, verse 3, he pulls the city gates off their hinges, which scholars say were at least 700 pounds. This guy is huge, all right? And, and it says, and Samson lay low until midnight, then he arose at midnight, took the hold of the doors on the city gate, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Wow. So we see some supernatural strength going on in Samson's life, right? But time and time again, if you read into the details of Samson's narrative, Samson falls victim to worldly temptations. And as we well know, Samson had girl problems. In fact, Samson probably had 99 problems, and a girl was probably definitely one of them, all right, all the time. A girl was the root of it. He, he, he had a downfall in this area, and he, he does a lot of sin and, and, and re- rebels against what God had originally set up. In Deuteronomy, God set out the law with Moses, and it said that God's people should not intermingle or intermarry with any of the pagan or other people that worshiped any other God except theirs. But again, he, he kind of does that. He marries a Philistine girl early on in our narrative. 
Then he goes down to a place in Gaza and he sleeps with a prostitute. All right, there's number two strike, right? Then he gets involved and falls in love with a girl named Delilah. And he gets, she gets Samson to tell her his secret of his strength, which is his long hair, right? And, and, his, and, and he's captured by the Philistines because they shave his head, they gouge out his eyes, and they put him in stocks, and he begins to grind the grain of the Philistines as a slave. Pretty crazy stuff, right? This is in the Bible, right? And in the end, though, we see Samson calling out to God, regaining his strength one last time. He pushes on the pillars of the temple of Dagon and kills everyone in the temple, about 3,000 Philistines and himself. Pretty intense, right? Graphic, gory, violent. Awesome, right? This is my kind of story here, all right? Guys, don't, don't check out on me today, all right? I can't wait to see the scenes on replay in 4K in heaven of all of these things and his training program for these 700-pound doors that he's just throwing up on his shoulder and walking up a hill in an incline, right? And this jawbone thing, this is crazy. He's like Donkey Kong in, in, um, in Super Smash Brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just going nuts at times. But wait, what can we possibly learn from this story? How could we ever have hope because of what Samson did? And I'm so glad you asked because I believe in the remainder of our time today, God wants to download and show us four different things that we can learn uh, from Samson, four different lessons. And so if you guys are taking notes today, the first one is this. Number one, being in the wrong place never helps you do the wrong thing, or the right thing, I'm sorry. Being in the wrong place never helps you do the right thing. Let me explain here. This is the hard truth, isn't it? You know, some of us might relate to this. Uh, walking by your kid's recent candy stash haul when you're trying to reduce the number of calories in your diet is not a good thing. Why? Sure, I'll have another Reese's and a Kit Kat. How many have you had today? Six. Awesome. Right? Being in the wrong place next to that bucket is not going to help you do the right thing all the time, right? Fellas. Wandering around Home Depot or Cabela's with nothing to do, or ladies, don't escape here, going to Target, just walking around, holding a Starbucks, just seeing what they have when you're trying to cut down on overspending is not the smartest idea. Can I get an amen on that? Right? Because why? Stuff's going to end up in your cart that was never budgeted for, but it's on sale, and it's such a great deal, and I gotta have this. The deer are out in the woods, and I must murder them, right? Gotta have it. Now I got you. Being in the wrong place never helps you do the right thing, and and we see this truth play out multiple times throughout the story of Samson. We see in Judges 14 early on that Samson went to Timah to take a wife from the Philistines. Like I said earlier, he was never supposed to be there in the first place. His parents were even like, yo, can't you find another woman like from your people? Remember what God said like in Deuteronomy? Like we don't need to mess and intermingle with these people. Yet he goes down and, and, he, intermarry, and he, he likes this woman and he wants to marry her. And on, on the way back, this, this is on the, on the way to meet her, he, that's when the lion came out and he ripped the lion in half, right? On his way back again on his second trip, he sees a lion carcass lying there and he sees a swarm of bees and some honey there and he's hungry and he takes some. Well, according to the vow of a Nazarite, you're never supposed to be able to be close to or touch a dead body. So he breaks this, gives honey to his parents, doesn't tell them about that. And so he's disobeying God by being in the wrong place, right? 
And, and, then, and then he goes on, and uh, we, already, we already mentioned this, but like, just to be real, in, in Judges 16, he, he, just, he sees a prostitute in Gaza, and he goes there just to be with her, like, just like a one-night kind of call type thing. Just, again, totally sinful, totally against God's will, God's plan for his life. We see this in Judges 16, verse 1. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Now, obviously, we know sleeping with somebody's wife that isn't yours or a woman that's not your wife is not godly, not honoring uh, in this context. And, and in the Philistine territory, again, God had forbid him to be here. So he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, uh, there's some cool pastors that have done some really cool study on this, so I don't take full credit for this, but I love sharing this in this portion of Samson. The crazy thing about this one verse is the distance from Zorah where, where Samson was to Gaza where he went to be with that prostitute was 25 miles. 25 miles. Let me put this in context. That's 56,250 steps that Samson took in the wrong direction to go to the wrong place to be with the wrong person. You see, what, you see what's happening here? 56,000 steps of disobedience, right? Being in the wrong place never helps you do the wrong, right thing. And, and then we see near the end of his life, Samson with Delilah in, in Judges chapter 16, he, he gets involved and he falls in love with a woman named Delilah who was set up by the Philistines to capture him and learn the secret of his strength so they could actually uh, capture him. So he's in the wrong place with the wrong person. And eventually it leads to sharing the information that is his covenant with the Lord about his hair and all of that stuff. And he shares the wrong information and his head ends up in the wrong lap and they shave his head and he loses his strength and he gets bound in, in, in stocks and he gets his eyes gouged out and he's now no longer able to beat the Philistines who God called him to go to eventually. Do you see how being in the wrong place can get us in trouble? I, I, this is so important, and we can learn from this, right? Because I, I've, I've learned this my, the hard way in my own life, and I'm sure you guys have too, but disobedience will lead you into some really, really rough places. When we know what God's word or his will is, but we choose to do our own thing, we choose to go our own way, that will get us in so much trouble. And I've often realized this, that we don't often ruin our life overnight in one decision, but it's often one small step of disobedience, one small step of compromise, one small step of cutting corners, one small step of white lies that lead us into a place that we could never think or imagine that we'd ever find ourselves in. And we're like, how did we get here? Being in the wrong place and taking steps in that direction never gets us to do the right thing, which is why we must watch where we're looking and where we're walking in life. I love the book of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 4 verses 25 through 27. Be encouraged by this. Book of Wisdom says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet and let all that your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. This is wisdom for us, right? We can get distracted. We can be looking to the left or the right. We can be looking at stuff we shouldn't be. We should be going 25 miles in the wrong direction if we're not focused on the right things. And when we're in the wrong place, we'll do the wrong thing. But if we stay in the right place, it's much easier to do the right thing when you're in the right place. Can I get an amen? Right? And so we can protect our legacy of faith, our integrity, our heritage for our children, children, by simply staying obedient to God's word. Can I get a good amen on that? 
Awesome. That's the first thing that we see here through Samson. The second thing I think we can learn from the life of Samson and his story is this. Number two, spiritual strength is more important than physical strength. Right? We always focus in on Samson's muscles and his, uh, right? Spiritual strength is more important than, than um, physical strength. And Samson, unfortunately, teaches us this the hard way, right? Over and over again throughout the story of Samson, we see this, right? He, that he is physically strong, but spiritually weak. He's physically strong, but he's morally weak, right? Samson was a warrior strong enough to kill a thousand men, strong enough to rip a lion in two with his bare hands, strong enough to take 700-pound doors and rip them off of their hinges, right, and carry them off. But in the end, he wasn't strong enough to lead himself or to lead a woman named Delilah in the right direction that they should go. He was physically strong, but he was spiritually or morally weak. And here's what I've learned. Spiritual weakness will often lead to physical weakness. Our spiritual deficiencies, our spiritual weakness can often lead us into places where we physically are weak, right? We see this in the case of Samson. He goes from being spiritual weak to physically weak, right? He's not able to overpower the Philistines after his hair's cut and then he's thin, right? He goes from being spiritually blind, not aware of all the disobedience that he's doing, and he actually goes to becoming physically blind when the Philistines gouge out his two eyes. He goes from being a spiritual slave to sin and not living God's way to a physical slave in stocks grinding the grain of the Philistines, not delivering God's people from them. Do you see how spiritual weakness can lead to fleshly or physical weakness in our life? And guys, if we're not careful, this can happen in our own lives, right? If we don't value or honor God's word, we'll live like the world tells us to live instead of how God tells us to live. If we don't make a covenant with our eyes, we'll look at stuff we're never supposed to be looking at. If we don't guard our hearts, the pollution and filth of the world will creep in and will direct every way we go. And if we don't have faith in God, and, and we'll put our faith in ourselves. And how many of you guys know that never works out well, Right? We must protect and value the spiritual strength in our lives, and we have to have our priorities straight. I love what it says. Paul tells a young minister, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says this, for physical training is of some value, comma, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, I'm not saying physical fitness is bad. No, the Bible says it's good. It has some value. But how many of you guys know it's not the main thing? Our physical strength, our physical fitness isn't the most important thing. Our spiritual strength, our moral integrity is what God is concerned about more than anything else on the earth. God cares more about the condition of your heart than the size of your chest muscles, all right? right? God cares more about the integrity that you have than the inches on your biceps, right? God cares more about the faithfulness to his word than your faithfulness to your workout routine. Come on, somebody, amen? And God cares more about boasting in him than boasting in our physique, in our deal, amen? We got to have our priorities straight. God is concerned about the heart. He's concerned about the inward man. He's concerned about our spiritual strength, not our physical strength. And so, Father, may May we value and may we prioritize spiritual strength in our life more than any other type of strength. Samson shows us this hard way, right? The third thing that I think is interesting that we can see from Samson is this. 
I want this to bring today. Number three, God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. This is, this is hope. This is gospel this morning. God can use you and I despite our weaknesses. God often can use us in spite of us, right? Our, 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 our failures, our sin, our shortcomings, our weaknesses. You know why? Because God is sovereign. And God's will can prevail whether there's sin going on, whether there's heartache going on, whether there's trouble and, and hardship. God's will can prevail if he wants it to. Amen? And the story of Samson shows us that God can still move through rough situations. God can still use rough around the edges men and women who are just trying to get it right, trying to do it right, even though they're falling flat on their face. God can use us. Right? Like, I'm, my mind is blown as I studied this this week. I'm like, if God can use a disobedient, womanizing, rageful murderer like Samson to deliver his people, then he can use people like you and me. Amen? That, again, it puts us up. It doesn't condemn us and shame us. It, it brings us up to a higher level of understanding and faith that, man, God sees us so much better than sometimes we see ourselves. Amen? God sees the gold inside of us whether we ever see it. And God sees the potential that's on the inside of us even when we don't see it ourselves, right? If Samson made the hall of faith, then there's hope for you and I, amen? And I don't know who, what you're dealing with today, and I don't know who's here, but I know that God is intimately acquainted with you, knows what you need to hear today. And I just feel this, if you feel like you've sinned too much, if you feel like you've missed the mark too much, if you feel like you're too filthy, too dirty, too unholy to receive God and to be used by God, then know this, you are a perfect candidate for God to use you in incredible ways because it's not by our works, but only by his grace that we are saved, sanctified, healed, forgiven, delivered, and empowered to do God's plan and God's purpose in our lives. I still shake my head often that, that God could call a prideful, lust-filled, porn-addicted, cocky, selfish man to be a pastor like myself. But God calls us out of dark, deep places is to show us his glory and his faithfulness. Amen? Uh, if, if you feel weak right now, if you feel like you don't have what it takes, if you feel like you're stumbling, if you feel like you're down in the dumps, you are a perfect candidate for God's grace. Amen? Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Come on, somebody. Who's thankful for the grace of God in our lives? Amen? By the grace of God, you are who you are. God writes the best story, and you are one of his best stories, amen? And I always say this, and you probably heard this other places, but don't ever put a period where God wants to put a comma in your story. I think a lot of times we end the book and we end the chapter because we did this, or we failed to do this, or we weren't this, and we say, done, period, end of story. And God's like, I'm not done writing yet. Because oftentimes in my Bible, there's a comma, and it says, but God. They did all this squirrely, stupid stuff, but God. They disobeyed God, but God. Amen? Nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. Believing is God as having faith in him. We can be a giant and a hero of faith even in the midst of our flaws when we choose to put God first and not follow the ways of the world and put him first and know that, man, he can still use us in spite of us. Now, side note, another sermon, another message. Just because we sin doesn't mean we're scot-free. There's always consequences to our sin. The Bible is very clear. Sin has a payday every time you do it. It's called death. 
It's, it's, it, it's direct deposited into your life, and it's like, here's your check today. It's called death. Steal, kill, and destroy from you, right? Sin always has consequences. So we want to stay away from that, but we can't be afraid to be used by God if we've blown it. Because every single one of these characters that we study did not do it 100% right. Yet God used them because their faith, their trust in some moment or some situation, their faith and trust in them was more than that sin, was more than that deficiency, was more than that weakness, was more than that broke joke script that God or that the enemy wanted to give to them. And when we choose to go God's way, we can choose the highway. Amen? And so I just want to encourage some of you, don't give up today. Some of you may be like, I'm giving up on this whole faith thing, this whole God thing. It's not working. I'm not seeing results. My goodness. God's not done with you yet, amen? But the last thing, the fourth thing that that we see from the story of Samson is this, number four, when we are weak, the Lord is our strength. When we are weak, the Lord is our strength. At the very end of the story of Samson, he finally gets it right. I love it. I love good endings. Good endings. Now, it's a little gruesome good ending. I mean, the way you look at it, depending on because Stemson actually dies himself, but uh, that's beyond the point, all right? He went at his weakest moment. Samson's at his weakest moment, right? He, he's blind, he's enslaved, and he's being made fun of and ridiculed at this festival in this temple of Dagon by his enemy, the Philistines, which was the call on his life to deliver God's people from them. I would gather and imagine that Samson's probably at his, one of his lowest of lows, He cannot see, he has no freedom to do what he wants, and he's just a big dude that people are making fun of. Samson finally turns to the right strength in this moment, in the low of lows. He turns to the Lord. Let's take a look at it in Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 30. Then Samson called called to the Lord, saying, O Lord, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray just this once, O God that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, uh, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so that the dead that he killed at his death were more than all that he killed in his entire lifetime. Remember, he killed about a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey. There was people on the roof and in this temple, scholars say over 3,000 people of the Philistines, of God's enemies, died in this one act. But what happened here? A little gruesome, but the principle of faith is beautiful, even in a really jacked up, messed up situation. What did Samson do? He turned to the Lord. He, he leaned into the Lord for strength. For once, he didn't try to muscle his way through or use his big muscles or try to do his own thing. He just said, God, I pray if you could give me that strength, I could do this one thing and I could at least have some sort of fulfillment in your call on my life. And God grants him because he prays a prayer of faith. Faith is trusting in God. It's putting our trust in God more than the trust in ourself. And he prays and he finally looks at the Lord's strength. What happens? God gives him supernatural strength one more time and takes down the enemy. And what does this teach us? Samson teaches us that when we are facing an all-time low, we can look to the Most High. Amen? When we're facing an all-time low in our life, we can turn to the Most High God. And He is merciful, He is graceful, and He is all-powerful. He can do miracles through us. Maybe you're here today and you're facing a low in your life. 
You're not confident in what God's called you to do. You, maybe you're struggling with great loss or grief in your life. Maybe your relationships or your marriages are kind of on the rocks or they're kind of in an awkward situation. Maybe financially you find yourself in a mess and you're not really sure how you're going to get out of it. Maybe, maybe you just received some really bad news and you still haven't really had time to process it and you're feeling really down and depressed about it. Maybe you're discouraged at where you find yourself at in life right now. You thought at this age or in this season you would be here, but you feel like you're here and the enemy keeps hitting you like that with that lie over and over again. Wherever you find yourself in that low, the world says give up. The world says throw in the towel. The world says freak out. The world says doubt. The world says medicate it, right? The world says muscle your way through it and try to make it happen in your own strength. How many of you guys know that never works out well, does it? We saw this with Samson, but after he had told Delilah his secret of his strength, he had his head shaved and the Philistines came to capture him and he was at a really low point. But earlier on in the story, every time they'd come in, he just busted out of the things and, and whooped their butts. But this time, he, he didn't realize. The Bible says that he didn't realize that his strength had left him. And he was weak. He was in one of the weakest states that he'd ever found himself. And so, man, when we look to Samson, when we find ourselves in a weak spot, we need to turn to the Lord for our strength. Because here's what the good news is. God loves to fill us with strength and strengthen us in our weakest of moments. It's a qualification for his strength. Remember the Apostle Paul when he was trying to preach and do God's will for his life and there was a messenger of Satan, a thorn in his flesh that came to buffet him, right? Over in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, what was God's response? Paul three times said, Lord, get this dude out of my way. Get this buffeting thorn in my flesh out of the way. I'm, I'm called to do this and it's not going so smooth right now, get it out of the way. What did the Lord do? Well, how did he respond to him? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, but, but he said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God says, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when we are weak, in Christ, we are strong. When we turn to the right source for our strength, God can work miracles in our life. And I believe somebody here needs encouragement today. Maybe you're watching online and you're watching this later online. Know this and hear this, please. God's grace is sufficient for you in the midst of your weakness right now. It's more than enough. It may not feel like it. It may be really hard to trust that. But God's grace is sufficient for you. God's power is available to work in you and through you, no matter what the enemy's coming against you with. It is no stronger and no bigger than the strength that the Lord can give you, just like we've seen in Samson's life. No matter what you're up against, no matter where you find yourself, God's strength can help you prevail in your situation. Gosh, I mean, put yourself in Samson's shoes. Even if it feels like your circumstance, your eyes are gouged out. And you got a really bad haircut at Great Clips, all right? And, and you, you're a slave. Let's put ourselves in Samson's shoes. 
I get my hair cut at Great Clips. God bless them. If you're here, if you're watching online, thank you, ma'am or sir, for your services, all right? Please do not be offended. It might feel like, whoa, what is going on in life? This is horrible. I can't see. I don't have any freedom. My hair, it used to be like really wavy and wispy, and I could do like the man bun, and now it's just like, just wake up, and it, that's what it looks like, you know? Like, what the heck's going on? You see, faith is trusting in God, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing even before you see it all get flowery and rosy and nice. Even in the midst of your dysfunction, even in the midst of your weakness, even in the lowest of lows, faith still chooses to believe that God's got something better for us. That his promises are yes and that they're amen. And that if he spoke it, he meant it. And we can believe it and we can receive it and walk in it in our lives. For when we are weak, in Christ, we can be strong. So God loves for his strength to show up in our weakest of moments. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're having a weak moment right now. You're just glad you came today. I'm so, we're so glad you came today. God knows exactly what you need. And God is such a loving father that he won't leave you lying on the floor. He won't leave you in that dark, lonely place. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He'll never judge you and kick you while you're down like the world's, even some so-called friends or people that you thought were friends will be quick to turn on you real quickly and slam you and leave you and pretend like they never knew you. Now God is like, come on. Child, if you're weak, I am so strong. I can make a human being lift posts up out of their gate. I can, I can lift you out of this low place if you'll let me. But he never overrides his free will. He's there. He's strong and mighty. His right arm is strong and mighty, outstretched to fight our battles and to go before us, but he wants us to choose him. That's faith. A God that we can't see, we can't touch, that we just have a Bible based off of the God of the universe who created you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, that knows the number of hairs on your head, that knows what you're struggling with, that knows what your family member's struggling with right now, is well acquainted with what you're dealing with and what you're fighting right now, and is not intimidated by it, is not scared by it, is not even surprised about it because nothing slips past God. God is never like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Shoot the heck's going on in Israel? I did not know that was going to happen. Right? No, he's never surprised. And even when it looks like, God, where are you? Then they fix this. Why is this going on? He's got a greater plan always at work. He works all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Amen? So if you stick with God, you got strong daddy God on your side. Amen? If you want to go your own route, you're on your own, bro. Sister, it's not a safe path. Go for it. You might win a battle or two or get a punch in or whatever. Yeah. But eventually that thing's going to take you out and you're going to need somebody to peel you off the floor. And his name is Jesus. And dust you off and clean you out and look you eye to eye and grab your face and say, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I know what you did. Yeah, that wasn't right. But my goodness, I've got a better way. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to keep bringing it up. 
Put your faith and trust in me, and it goes as far as the east is from the west. He's saying, son or daughter, we got work to do. Let's get back up on our feet, and let's be strong and mighty in the Lord. Amen? And so hopefully you guys can see, man, we could talk about Samson. There's so much in here. There's probably five more points, but we're going to end for today. And uh, I just want to recap what we talked about. Remember, number one, being in the wrong place will never help you do the right thing, right? What's the key? Staying obedient to the Lord and his word in our lives. So it'll, it'll keep you out of the wrong places. Number two, spiritual strength is more important than physical strength, right? It doesn't matter how much you can bench press. It matters who you turn to when life presses on you, all right? So remember, spiritual strength trumps physical strength. Number three, God can use you in spite of your weaknesses. Your weaknesses, your deficiencies, your failures, your sin. Just another opportunity to prove that God's amazing grace can work in your life. Amen? And then number four, when we are weak, the Lord is our strength. May we turn to and press into the Lord and receive his supernatural strength today. No matter where you are in life, no matter how this applies, I believe that the Lord can make it personal for you. And this can be a word of encouragement for you to rise above and be a man or woman of faith that trusts God even in the midst of some crazy circumstances. Would you join me as we pray and go to the Father to receive his supernatural strength? Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for today. Lord, even through an Old Testament story and character like Samson, you're still breathing fresh breath and life. You're still leading us and guiding us. Your word is eternal. It's forever settled in heaven. It does not change and it does not lose its power and its potency in our lives. And so, Father God, we thank you for showing us some things. Lord, help us keep our eyes fixed straight ahead on you and not be distracted by the temptations and the worldly pleasures and the different things that surround us that our flesh wants to do. Help us stay strong so that we wouldn't find ourselves in the wrong place. But help us stay in the right place with you, hooked up with your word and your plan and your will for our lives. Lord, help us focus and prioritize on spiritual strength, not physical strength. Both are important to a healthy life, but Lord, if we're going to value one or the other, help us lean into your word, into times of prayer and devotion and, and, and study of your word, memorization of your word, a doing and being abiding in you and with you, Father God, that truly makes us strong for battle. Father, we thank you that you can use us despite our weaknesses, that Lord, we're not defined by our failures. Lord, you write a new page. You're writing a new script today, a new chapter. Father God, as we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, let us continue to allow you to write in our life and help us be picked up by you. And lastly, Lord, Father, when we are weak in you, we are strong. I pray for supernatural strength all over this place right now, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, that our minds are the minds of Christ, that our bodies align to the word of God, healthy, whole, and healed. Our spirit man is alive and on fire, and our flesh is put to death, and our flesh is put under. And Lord God, as we march arm in arm, hand in hand, as an army mighty unto you, Lord God, the hope and the love that can pour from our lives to those that desperately need it is possible because, Lord, when we were weak, you were strong. And when you were at your weakest moment, you still said, I'll go to the cross and I'll do it, Lord, so that us, 
sons and daughters of the Most High God could now walk in supernatural strength in our today. And so, Father God, we receive all of your supernatural strength in our life for every situation that presents itself. And may we be like Samson this week and put our supernatural faith hands up on the pillars of the enemy that stands in front of us. And with everything we've got because of what you've given us, push those down and keep marching into our high call of God on our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be it. God bless you. Praise God.